Hello, and welcome, discerning listeners, to Optic Blast, the comic book discussion show where comedy and comics collide, a monthly podcast that covers the highs, lows, and most importantly, the in-betweens of the comic book medium. I'm your host, Brian West. With me in the studio is Miguel Silva. Hey, hey. And Pedro Silva. Yo. Here at Optic Blast, we love comics, and we hope to provide an insightful commentary on the medium, but we're not above making some lewd jokes along the way. Be warned, there may be minor spoilers throughout the show, but we will try to give you a heads up before we discuss anything too revealing. Uh, we encourage you to check out our website at www.optic-media.com. Just click on the podcast tab at the top left of the screen, and you will find show notes, photos, contact info, links to our social media. Uh, but enough babbling, uh, let's talk about some news. Yeah! Let's do it. So, uh, obviously biggest news in uh the comic book industry right now angela yes. is returning to comics. <laughs> yes, my favorite uh comic book character named angela yeah so neil gaiman uh fantastic writer uh mm-hmm. much respected guy wrote a little story called sandman he's gonna return to marvel comics which is pretty cool uh but he's bringing angela with him <laughs> I, he is he sure is. <laughs> you know, like you asked for, Brian. Yeah, for, uh, I do own the first appearance of Angela, uh, in, oh, I don't remember anymore. Spawn something. I have, yeah, I have issues, <laughs> I am ashamed to admit I have issues like 1 through like 160 of Spawn and like every crossover, uh, until then. <laughs> I even, a- I even own the Cygore Gorilla miniseries but the best of those involved angela right yeah i wish it was kind of a cool character 160 issues i think that i don't know there must be a reason i don't know if it's just like he has to use her or maybe like the copyright will just fall back to todd mcfarlane or well they they, he sued him didn't he neil gaiman sued mcfarlane for infringing on gaiman created angela for the run that he wrote and medieval spawn for the run yeah. that he wrote of Spawn. It was like a single issue he created her for. Yeah, like one or two. And then did some more stuff later. But she right. just became like a Spawn right. character. And then he didn't give him credit. So I know yeah. there was a there was a battle between Gaiman mm-hmm. and McFarlane over the rights. Angela was killed Angela. off in Spawn number 100. <laughs> well, good. So, good knowledge. Good knowledge. Yeah, um, yeah so I don't know. It Guys, seems to me... Uh, because we're talking about Angela. <laughs> It seems, I think he's using him just to kind of say, fuck you, Todd McFarlane. Uh-huh. This is why I won this character, because I had, I got grand yeah. plans for in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> it just seems like, it seems like one of the stories that should have been on April's Fool's Day, <laughs> but it wasn't. It we was got just real early. noise. But, he should uh, come early. Yeah. What's so, also awesome is, did you see when she's coming? In Guardians of the Galaxy? I thought it was Age of Ultron. They said it's she's spinning- after... It's like spinning out, I think, of Age of, of, Age of Ultron. Ultron. Which, if you've been reading Age of Ultron, which whoa. It makes less sense. Is, yeah. that, is that why Age of Ultron has, like, chromium covers or whatever the fuck they're doing? It just does because, so. because Ultron's like The 90s maybe. are back. Wow. Yeah. Trance music is back. Mm-hmm. Angela's back. Trance music is back. I don't think they've ever left. Yeah. Not by heart, anyway. Oh, come on. Dude, those, with those jeans, the big jeans. But anyway, anyway, yeah, Gaiman coming back. I mean, we're all going to read it, though. Let's not well, kid yeah. ourselves here. <laughs> we're all going to pick it up. I don't know. I may or may not. I, I, it's Guardians not. of the Galaxy, I, I'm not like... Well, I, I just haven't read any. It's not like... At least... Universe. Maybe I'll give it a shot. 
at least for Damon. Yeah. yeah, but at least let let everyone know at home that you've not read Sandman. Speaking so of this, could be why you're not so excited. Speaking of uh, Gaiman, uh, oh. <laughs> ignored. <laughs> I know. Jeez. Chris Sprouse has dropped out yes. of drawing the uh-huh. story. Yes. Written by Orskin and Scott Card. Avid mm-hmm. listeners to the show. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, listen to our one podcast. Uh, so. The pilot episode that we shall never mention again. Except for the title Orson Hears a Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So. For those of you not aware of this uh, internet controversy, Orson Scott Card, writer's, writer of Ender's Game and uh, outspoken homophobe, uh, was supposed to script a uh, adventure of Superman for the digital first Superman title, and the internet lost their brains over it for a little bit. I shouldn't say they lost their brains. They lost their... Everyone was excited. It's Orson Scott Card. Everyone was very excited. They were. We ex- were excited to see Orson Scott Card not. Yeah, write lo- it. losing their brains implies that they were acting unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was I think a reasonable that excitement. It was a it was a reasonable reaction, debatably. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Chris Browse, the artist on the script, decided that there was too much controversy around it. So many people were signing petitions to have the script stop. Um, that uh, he dropped out, and DC avoiding any discussion of it, uh, rather than just saying, Orson Scott Card's project is done, said, oh, well, we're going to reschedule it. Which seems to me like a way of them being like, they're not giving either side exactly what they want, but they can avoid talking about it and just wait for people to kind of forget about it. Which may be the way to go. I'm not pro-censorship. I think Orson Scott Card is a scumbag. Right. Well, give, Um, give, give... In case people don't exactly know yeah. why, so he's he's involved <laughs> in a few. On him. He's he's involved in a few um, organizations that speak out against gay marriage. But in researching some of this, I found a particularly insane quote from Orson Scott Card <laughs> that I will do my best. I don't know what he sounds like. Is he English? Uh, I have no idea. Should I do an accent? No. No. Okay, so... But, if, is, I mean, he's probably miserly if he hates the gays so much. <laughs> Does it sound like Scrooge? Yeah. I'm not going to do a thing. thing. Uh, but I will read you this quote. <laughs> so this is a, a quote from an article I read uh, interviewing Orson Scott Card regarding gay marriage. How long before married people answer the dictators thus? Regardless of law, marriage has only one definition, and any government that attempts to change it is my mortal enemy. <laughs> I will act to destroy that government Jeez. and bring it down so it can be replaced with a government that will respect and support marriage. So, <laughs> this is like, this is a hair away from, like, a Unabomber manifesto. Right. Yeah. He said my mortal enemy. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, <laughs> that's not a, a phrase that people use. What's, that's not a Orson Scott Card wants to punch the what's government. What's the difference between this and Al-Qaeda? Honestly, I think um, I think he took this from an Al Qaeda transcript. I <laughs> when have they said anything any different than what he just said right yeah, now? I don't know. Like I said, basically, if, if it were to happen, I just would have not purchased it. Right. I don't know how I feel about censorship. I I almost feel like he should have been allowed to do it, and just nobody should have bought it. And if people uh-huh. did buy it, I would have been upset. Right. But, Righteous rage. But it at the same of, time, I'm. Not upset that it would have been probably yeah. not going to come out. It might have been like a bigger fuck you if it failed. Yeah, than never giving it the chance. Yeah, so. now he can just be like, oh well, like my I'm too controversial for the man. <laughs> By the way, have you seen pictures of him? 
No. He looks like a like asymmetrical pug. Okay. He's an ugly man. Wait, like right. asymmetrical pug or an asymmetrical pug? Like an a like a face of a pug that's like not symmetrical. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, uh, and an asymmetrical pug. Yes, an asymmetrical. Pug. <laughs> Very nice. Stop! Stop saying it. <laughs> Stop saying that. So, uh, more Superman news here. Ooh, my favorite kind of um, news. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have been following like the super fun circus. Uh, going around DC Comics right now, but it just seems like this wacky merry-go-round where Mm -hmm. people sort of jump onto things, and then they get, like, halfway around, they jump off, nobody finishes the ride. It's just, it's craziness. It's like a free-for-all. It's awesome. Yeah, there have been a lot of things going on where people get announced for books. Um, I know that, like, Jim Zub was supposed to do, who does, um, I think he does, oh, man, a book for Image. Skull Kickers? Uh, But... Jim Zub was, like, announced for Birds of Prey and then, like, was canceled before, like... What about like, Gail Simone? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> things like that were... Gail Simone writes Gail Birds Simone, of Prey. Well, she was writing Batgirl. Oh, yeah, that's what it was, sorry. was fired, fired from Batgirl. And then replaced by herself. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of different things like what? that. that, that There's an alternate version of Gail Simone. <laughs> Earth 2 Gail Simone came in. Dang. They just didn't want you to know. A lot yeah. of weird... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Potentially, it's, a lot of weird editorial choices going on DC. But this month, in like in one day, we had the news that Andy Diggle, who is going to be taking over Action Comics after Grant Morrison's run, which was being pretty hyped, a lot of like publicity around mm-hmm. it. Um, Tony Daniels is supposed to draw the thing. He decided to leave before it came out. So yes. he's still got a couple issues that he wrote and scripted, and those will still come out. And mm-hmm. the story arc's just going to be finished by Tony Daniel. Yes. So, right there, kind of weird. Um, which was, it did kind of make sense. There was, he did one of the interviews in the back of all the Image Comics, you know, each month they interview yeah. somebody. Mm-hmm. And it was like right after he was announced for Action Comics, and all his answers from the interview were like very anti-DC Marvel. Like a lot of, it was one of his, and, like, things like, what do you want to see less of in comics? And he was just like, no more superheroes. Like, Sweet. I just don't want to see him at all Bring anymore and it's like are you? titles <laughs> yeah. by superman though you guys coming yeah. out next month yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Check he's, it out. Just, he's talking trash about it and then like which seemed kind of weird and uh now he's off the book mm-hmm. um that same day or around that same time uh joshua fialkov who was writing i vampire um for dc comics which is very good with the minor drawbacks of like every now and then they'd have to tie it into like batman or justice league dark Right. And it would turn to caca. Mm-hmm. Um, straight poop, you guys. Straight, yeah, straight, straight caca. Poop. Uh, but it was very good. But you can see that he was already, because he's not a no-name, or a big name, he was already kind of feeling like some editorial push on those things. And he was supposed to be, now that I Vampire is canceled, he was supposed to be writing Green Lantern Corps and the Red Lanterns book. Right. And had some big story planned. And he decided to leave, and he's already being offered, I think, I'm pretty sure he's doing at least one book for Marvel now. Probably. So, it's seeming like he's just going to transfer over to Marvel, which is a shame, because he was a young talent, and I think he showed a lot of promise, and it seems like he kind of kept getting the short end of the stick, and now he's gone. But So, so what's is it DC, or is it creators being too... Stubborn in what they want to create. I think, you know, maybe six months ago, 
you could probably dismiss this as just like maybe some creators being a little stubborn or maybe them just being working within like the big two system a little too long and being a little frustrated with things. But being that this is sort of like, I mean, it feels like every month there's an announcement of some creative team doing this like musical chairs thing, switching around titles or them just coming on and leaving. It seems like they've been getting a lot of like younger image people to come in and then they start writing something and then just gets canceled. Um, I think the only one that I can, the only one I can think of that hasn't been announced that he's leaving yet is, um, uh, seal. Uh, I can't remember his first name. His last name is seal, but he's going to be coming on to swamp thing, taking over for Scott Snyder. Okay. And, like that's the only We're already one. numbering that one. Yeah. He wrote an image Four series called, out. he wrote an image series called 27, which I haven't read, but it's supposed to be about like the connection of musicians that die when they turn 27. No. Um, that mm-hmm. whole Jimi Hendrix curse thing. Janis Joplin. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he's coming on to do that. But yeah, I I wish that I knew it was going on there, and I wish I could it's pr- tell him to stop. I, it's probably just DC thinking they can get young guys and then be like, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. You're going to use your talents, but you're yeah. going to write what I want you to write. And there's a big rumor flying around that the reason that uh, Joshua Fialkov left the Green Lantern books is because there was an editorial mandate to kill Jon Stewart. Which was reported by Bleeding Cool, <laughs> so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, who knows? Uh, but, I think it's just DC, does, they're, they're lost at this point. The New 52 is well, what's, not I mean, that good. What's lost? Everything has, like, you know, everything gets really good, and then it turns to crap for a while, it gets really good again in a few more well, years. It's comics, yeah. Yeah, it's just comics. You just gotta wait it out. I don't They're think still well, that's saying. They're trying to not win. Yeah, I don't They're think New Fifty Two like, is doing as well as I think it should right. be doing. So they going, are, this isn't selling in two weeks. New thing. Something yeah. else got to happen. And that's like, working for them in a sales perspective. Like their sales, even now, not just the beginning of the New Fifty Two. Their sales now are much higher mm-hmm. than they were um, before the New Fifty Two. Well, because of that mindset, mm-hmm. though, it's like where well, you're, you're killing titles before they have time to find their audience. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah. It, it's the type of thing where it's it's just going to keep happening until people stop buying number one issues because they're number one issues right. and stop like oh this, this one's like happen. oh this is such event and I got to get every tie and like or buying issues because they like characters even though the comic sucks it's like dude if you get an issue I don't care if you love Green Lantern if you get an issue and it's like you know two or three stars out of five just drop it the only way it's right. going to get better is if you stop reading it or else there's going to be no reason for them to make it better. Yeah. There's it's also, also a double-edged sword, though. It's like, well, don't read anything because one issue is bad. It's like, well, then... If right. I could get again, you can give it a shot when the creative team changes. Or you could just, you know, go on the internet <laughs> and look at well, some reviews. Yeah, and... true, but it's also like, well, if I don't like any of what they're doing and I'm not going to buy it, then from DC's point of view, if a lot of people are doing that, then it's like, well, why are we doing this? And so it's like... That it's it's a catch twenty two because of that you get titles canceled like this because yeah so quickly like but maybe they the thing is like there's not there's not a tremendous amount of cancellation I mean not that much more than there would be any time but it's just this constant creator shift uh-huh. like it's just it's I don't even there are some books where I'm like every now and then I'll see the solicits and I'm like oh that's who's drawing this now what what happened to like, I have no idea. Who's writing Birds of Prey? 
I don't know. I was buying every issue of that. I have no clue who's writing it. Nice. Because there have been like, I don't even know. Yeah. But I, I feel like... But it's so good, because it, didn't you just say like, don't buy a book because you like the characters? No, no, no. <laughs> it's not good. That's why I stopped buying it. Oh, so you stopped buying it. <laughs> I was buying every issue up to a point, and then everything changed, so I stopped buying it, and it wasn't good anymore. Yeah. Um, not that it was... It wasn't terrible by any means. It just... You was, need to be pretty damn good to get yeah. like $3 these Yeah, days. these things are expensive, yeah. and I... I spend like you know, hundred fifty dollars a month on comics. What a life, man! So I got don't kids to feed, Jack. Maybe not quite that much, but too much. And oh, yeah. if it's not good, there's no reason why I should be buying it. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. if I don't love it, and I'm just saying, if it's not good, if I don't love it, yeah, I don't want to buy it. But anyway, we kind of went on a little tangent there. It's an interesting topic. Yeah, it certainly was. Unlike Angela. Stupid Angela. <laughs> um, so those are the top news stories for March, at least according to us. Yeah. Uh, the thing that, never mind. It's past. She's past. <laughs> what? Well, the thing I was going to say is I don't know, because it feels like that brings up a bigger issue of like, well, okay, if I'm not going to get these issues, I think the most people who read comic books are going to wait until they know if a, like a, a trade paperback a series is good and they'll wait for the paper back to come and they'll buy that and that, and then if they like that then maybe they'll start picking up the issues but I feel like most common people's exposure to comic books are through collected editions like that right like I would, I would say I don't maybe think it's more than half. that like I mean like there's people who are into comic books but then there's also the people who yeah who like comic books but don't know how to go about getting yeah. single issues this so is completely like, anecdotal and I, I know uh, what you mean but everyone that I have a lot of friends especially like people that I, I work with I'll, I'll lend them uh, I'll start lending them like Preacher and things right. like that and they get into comics and they are totally like they only buy trades yeah, exactly. they don't understand how the monthly market works uh-huh. at all yeah. they don't get that there are comics right, exactly. or exactly. the pre-order or the direct a market a lot of people or don't know that that's a thing but those people also tend to not be into superheroes at all and it's uh-huh. like, even if they read a superhero comic, you know, it's like they might read something like Kingdom Come, okay. you know, but they're, they're not going to get like, Ooh, what's this birds of prey thing? The uh-huh. people I think in my experience who are buying trades are people who are buying the monthly. Right. It seems to me, I, I mm-hmm. don't have any. I think, I don't know. I think the comic industry needs to think of alternative ways to go about. Yeah. The, well, it's a big thing with digital, and I think that actually digital too, for sure. But like, I mean, you could. There's different ways to go about releasing single issues with them not having to be single issues. Yeah. Like. Yeah. What's wrong with single issues? There's nothing wrong with single issues, but like for sales purposes, like if you had like a collected magazine that came out every month that was say like, like seven. How they do it in Europe. But that's isn't uh-huh. that the problem? Because it's all from a sales perspective. Maybe, but I mean, if you like, if you had like seven titles in one magazine that you picked up that magazine as opposed to single issues, I feel like that would be more beneficial to sales. I like that idea. No, me they, too. They're they're actually though. I mean, see, so you gotta you gotta remember though, the single issue monthly thing, or as, as often as they can get it out, is in a way the most profitable way to do it because of the type of people who buy comics. Because if uh-huh. you're buying Spider Man, you're gonna buy every issue of Spider Man, and rather than wait till you've got one full story and then like put that all out, you can um, throw in a uh-huh. fill-in issue. And whoever's buying Spider-Man will buy that one fill-in issue. Right. That's well, true. that's how I think... And, and, like, they just keep going, and the more comics they put out per title, the more money they make. Right. Yep. Which like, is, like, what Marvel's doing. Yeah. But they're keeping the quality... Dude, their like X-Men that. shipping schedule is killing me. Yeah, but the quality's good. Yes. So I'll, I'll keep is. paying. I'll yeah. pay, you know, twice a month 
for the but good it's like comic. just X-Men because they're double shipping. <laughs> I buy six X-Men books a month just because just yeah. three titles I got. It's, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, but they're but they're all good. Yeah, they're amazing. So, <laughs> and then I guess I'm the yeah, digital that. digital distribution has well, it hasn't changed things as much as maybe it should be. But I do see it increasingly there's... being a more viable option for people, which is cool. Yeah, and, and the sales are are just getting better and better every month on mm. digital. Um, and you're starting to see people play around with like like Mark Wade and Brian Vaughn like ha- launching their own websites and doing pay what you want comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, those are the top news stories for March for the nice little hearty tangent. Reviews. Uh, Mara, number three, came out this month by Brian Wood, art by Ming Doyle, and colors by Jordi Belair. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm the only one reading this. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, Mara is a science fiction sports superhero comic about a okay. volleyball player in the future where... Sports stars are even more idolized than they are today. I mean, being a sports star, like, it's it's sort of a natural evolution of celebrity of where we are today. Like, being a sports star involves being on television 24-7. It's like there's a whole reality, like, universe revolving around her being the best volleyball player, like, in the world. Um, and the comic sort of shows her as she begins to manifest some superpowers. Huh. Um, and this issue is really kind of like... There were sort of hints of it in the other issues. In issue two, she actually flew at the end. But this issue is really, like, her using powers. Um, she was shot and, like, is fine. Um, she has a girlfriend who is looks seems to be breaking up with her. She goes on a reality show. It, it's it's this whole thing, and it it's almost... Like, the way her powers manifest is almost like a pretty standard superhero story, but it's a really interesting, like, examination of celebrity, Uh and the way all the narration is done in it is it's done, like, kind of, like, hearing, like, little pieces of a news clip. Like, sometimes one narration box on a panel doesn't really feed into the next one. Like, it almost feels like you're, like, flipping channels with, like, the panels, and you're just getting, like, different people just constantly talking about this person. And, I don't know, it ends up just being kind of a really interesting examination of celebrity and does kind of what I like with sci-fi where it, it says, you know, it's not so much saying, like, this is what things will be like, but it's, you know, sort of proposing some interesting ideas about the time we live in now. Um, the art by Ming Doyle, I know some people don't like. Um, you said you were kind of not feeling it, Meg. Bit underwhelmed from what I saw. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get that reaction. There's a looseness to it that sometimes some of the anatomy isn't perfect. Sometimes things are a little like asymmetrical. That's the word of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I find it really energetic. Um, there's like a sparseness to it, but. Like it, it works for me. I don't know. I, I really enjoy it. And I think that Jordi Belair, um, like, as per usual, is doing fantastic color work that's really elevating it. I think having those sparse backgrounds could be a big problem for me. But Jordi Belair is just adding a lot, doing a lot of heavy lifting on the book mm-hmm. that I think kind of fills it out. Yeah, it looks pretty nice. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah. it, it uh, to me, it was too flat. Not a lot of 
depth I didn't find. It is loose. There's, there is some anatomy weirdness to it, but yeah. it just it, a lot of it seemed too two dimensional. Yeah, I mean, I think you can tell that Ming Doyle really um, enjoys doing like the acting on it. I mean, if you look at even something like this, where it's like there's really some great expression and body mm-hmm. language and things like that. There's a lot of good acting in the eyes, but uh, I mean, yeah, some looks, uh... some bits look a little rushed. Not knowing anything about it, but you're just saying it takes place in the future and sort of like a everything looks very clean and like yeah future <laughs> clean future. It does it's too flat? Yeah. Yeah, Reminds me of um, that video game Mirror's Edge. Everything's really nice and clean. <laughs> yeah, I can like see that. scary clean. <laughs> like I don't know. It seems a little too obvious. Of course, she's a lesbian. Of course, she is. What the hell are you even talking about? It's in the future, and she's a sports star. What's gonna make? What's gonna shake this world up? How about she's Settle a lesbian? Down. No, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying it just seems a little, it's like it's obvious. I, I I have no idea what this company is about. It's just, I would have told you that she was a lesbian. You would not oh my have. God. You would not have. People are gonna yeah. hate you now. What? Yeah. I, there's nothing wrong with it. What's the mid card? All right. <laughs> well, I didn't say it's terrible because she's a lesbian. No, I, I understand what you mean, just, but it's like cliche right now. I understand what you mean, but it's just they're not rubbing your face in it at all. They actually even they actually have never said directly that she's gay. They've never said directly that she's dating that girl. There's just a real. They're inferring it very strongly. How are you supposed to how are you supposed to do it if it's not when and have it not be cliche in your mind? Yeah, I mean it's like, not like it's just part of our character. They're not like oh, and she's gay. Uh-huh. Get this, you know? It's not some. They're no. not trying to make a thing out of it. She's just gay. So True. I, I think it's, I haven't read this. So I think <laughs> yeah, I like not even yeah. it's not even a thing. <sighs> So that's mine. What have you been reading, Meg? Uh, I'm going to start with Uncanny Avengers number five. I like the idea behind this comic. Um, it's written by Rick Remender, who I haven't read a lot of, so I can't say whether or not I'm a huge fan or not. Drawn by John Cassidy, who I would like to say yeah. that I'm a giant fan of. Yeah. But right. so far, based on this book, I don't know. I don't know my own feelings. He confuses me. Mm. Um, it's, it's good. I, it starts off with one of my favorite, like, C-list villains, Kang the Conqueror. Uh, yeah, I did really like that, actually. Who is awesome. I don't even know um, who that is, but people seemed really excited that he was in It's it. really cool. He's, well, we'll, we don't need to talk about him, but he's in it. <laughs> and it, he's, he's often tied with Apocalypse in his history, and this seems like it's hinting heavily towards yeah. Apocalypse. Oh, that guy. Yeah. The first mutant ever. Um, so as far as that it was really cool and then there's another appearance by another C-list villain at the end of it that I think is really cool Um, Oliver actually I should say Cassidy only did the cover Oliver Koypil does the interior art for this book I think and I the interior it. art looks a lot better than no, that yeah, yeah it does. he's gotten way better so there's, there's some, some really good uh, expressions in here I saw yeah good. it's good um I just, I'm not too down with the characterization of everybody right now. I don't get Rogue is someone who's not Rogue right now. Uh-huh. And they're trying to play it off like, oh, Prof- Professor X died and she lost it, man. But that doesn't make any sense. She should be pretty accustomed to her friends dying. Right? Now. At this point? <laughs> so I don't, isn't, if he's, he's died like once already. Get over it. He's already died. 
why is this one so much? Because Scott, whatever. So I don't quite understand. Um, I don't like. It seems like he tries to be Bendis for like half a uh, page, and then realizes he's not Bendis. It it is dialogue. I don't like the dialogue between characters. They don't. Oh, it's all quippy. It's like quippy when people don't need to be quippy, and Mm. everyone seems kind of elevated to their most stereotypical. Like caps the the natural leader who's stoic, and everything he says is stoic. And then Rogue, for some reason, is like the sassy one. And she hates everyone, so everything she says is like demeaning, and mm. and it just I don't like it. I mean, the only thing I've read by Remender is Fear Agent, which is amazing. Um, but I know he does seem to be a writer that's kind of like in it for the long haul, and I could see maybe this being one of those things that like month to month you're kind of like, wait, what's what is this? What's going on? Yeah. But it might kind of it'll probably pay off in the long haul. It's the same thing with his like Uncanny X Force run. He had this big, huge plan and. Like, I haven't read it yet. It seems like everybody universally is in love with it. But it sort of had, like, all these planned out long-term ideas in it. Similar to, like, what Jonathan Hickman's been doing. Yeah, but that's fine. It's just the characterization of everybody I don't like. But I, he his last issue, and he does it a little bit in this one, in the beginning, he has this really cool, like, almost National Geographic type of narration boxes <laughs> that, like, narrate what's going on, and it... It, it's like I said. It seems like a like a television special, like telling you in these like really grandiose, like very cheesy, like cliched sentences to describe things. And it's really, really, really cool. And actually, the issue before this was like all that. And there's a little uh-huh. bit in the beginning of this one, and it's fun, and I like that. So I'm still reading it. I'm still buying it, um, as opposed to let's say like Cap, which I dropped because I just couldn't get behind. But um, all in all, this this issue just sets up what the next storyline is going to be. Hmm. Like I said, Kang's in it. I'm four. Seems like Apocalypse is going to be in it. I was lot. I enjoyed the first part with Kang, and then immediately after, I was like, I don't care. What's See, going that's on. how I felt. <laughs> Except when the Grim Reaper came, and then I was like, Oh, oh okay, yeah. sweet Grim Reaper. It's one of those like classic comic reveals. You're like, Oh, sweet, like, like onslaughts here, and they're like, Wait a minute, why do I care if onslaughts here? <laughs> Oh, did you see that in the last one? Uh, I heard about it. Yeah, Onslaught came back, by the way. I hated that. In the last issue. But... Some people loved it, though. If they do something cooler than what Onslaught was, then yeah, Mm. go for it. Anyway, uh, I like it. I'm still reading it. I like what what the promise of the storyline could be, but I don't like when he tries to go into the talking head stuff. Mm. If he's going to do that... It needs to be more concise to who these characters are. Yeah. Everyone's just like a stereotype okay. of their of their own character, which is weird. Uh, not a not... stereotype of like a general stereotype, like the stereotypical Wolverine and the stereotypical Cap and the stereotypical Thor. Mm. And it, it needs to be more than that. Fair enough. So Star Wars Legacy number one came out, which. Their, their titling for these things is confusing me because there have been a few Star Wars Legacy number ones, I'm pretty sure. Oh, there's like four. There's like, they're miniseries. But this one, normally I'd be like, oh, Star Wars, like, you know, it's like a, it's like 140 years after, I think, the Battle of Yavin. It, it's pretty far, um, far away. 138, actually, it says here. But what piqued my interest is the script is by Karina Becco. And Gabriel Hardman with art by Gabriel Hardman. So I'm like, oh, Gabriel Hardman drawing Star Wars sounds very cool to me. Looks and cool. then it's like, 
Oh, and the lead character is Han Solo, and Princess Leia is like great, great, great uh-huh. granddaughter, or maybe it's just great, two greats. Great. I think it's great, great granddaughter. It's Amelia's daughter's yeah. daughter. And so I was like, huh, okay. So I picked it up, and yeah, I never would have thought like, oh, who would I want to draw a Star Wars book? Gabe Hardman, but he's perfect for it. Like he does. Like, he, all the design work on, like, the ships, there's some new ships they've invented, is amazing. I would hope so. Um, all, all the, like, <laughs> it's just excellent. It's all excellent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, even, like, I mean, from the first page you get go, it's, like, it's, it's amazing looking. He does, like, ink washes for all the space shots, so you don't get that, like, space is just black, or there's, like... You've been in space? or there's like you know a lot of times people will take like actual photos Uh of like space shots and then you know black and white high contrast and like slap them in the background this is like all these beautiful ink washes like it doesn't look like space i don't care (laughs) it's gorgeous um everything just kind of has this steeped in shadow I, i listened to an interview with him talking about it and they they really he mentioned the cinematographer by empire of empire strikes back peter sushitsky um, by name and being like that was his visual style he's like everything's staged very classically but there's still like a sense of energy and like emotion to it so lots and, of blues uh, and oranges everywhere yeah good and it's yeah it's it's really cool i see a lot of blue um, looking at it right now. yeah there's, there's a blue. lot of there's a lot <laughs> of contrast blue. between like blue and and uh, there's a lot of hot and cold contrast in there um and yeah it introduces uh ania Ania Solo, which I assume is supposed to be like Anakin, like female Anakin, Ania. Well, her great-grandmother would be Amelia. Oh, so it's like Anakin, Amelia. Yeah. What is, what is the story? What is... So it's basically, it's kind of a cool idea because... Okay, if I like Star Wars, and you're going to recommend this comic book to me, which we do, we are Um, known to do. Yeah. Uh, what is it about and like, why should I like it or why should I care? Um, okay. So the general idea is you got Anya like pretty far in the future. And at this point, a lot of things have happened. I'm not really familiar with it. I haven't read those books, but it doesn't really matter. You can totally jump in. Uh, you don't have to know all that history post return of the Jedi. Um, but it's Anya Solo and she's far out there and she's obviously she's got some debt she's down on her luck and she's kind of doing like odd jobs it looks like she's working in a dump or owns a dump on this little like outer rim planet and um (laughs) she finds this lightsaber from from a mission that uh went awry and she's basically planning to like it's not like oh i'm gonna become a jedi it's like i'm gonna sell this because this is worth a lot of money Uh so she goes to her pal who's like a surly mon calamari and uh, <laughs> she convinces him to like come with her and try to get sell this lightsaber so they could get off this this okay. junky planet. And so, even though like the thing that I usually don't like about most Star Wars comics is that the only thing that feels like Star Wars is that they have Star Wars characters and like uh-huh. ships and planets in them. But like the mood, like they never capture like the emotion that like mm-hmm. call to adventure. And I I was in that interview, uh, Karina Becko and and Hardman were talking about how they didn't necessarily, like, they didn't watch Star Wars right before they started writing it. They went uh-huh. and watched Seven Samurai and, nice. like, Buck Rogers uh-huh. and things like that and tried to do a similar thing to what George did, where it was, like, 
pulling all these little inf- influences, these little pieces of things they like, and trying to put them together uh-huh. with the visual influence of Star Wars. And it it works. It hmm. kind of feels like Star Wars. Um, you do feel like there's a little bit of a political intrigue kind of story going on that's going to parallel this. I imagine they're going to come together pretty closely eventually. Um, which does, like, the second it starts, especially because it's on, like, Coruscant, you're like, you kind of get some episode one flashbacks. <laughs> uh, sounds pretty <laughs> but, wizard. But beyond that, um, it really does have, like, a great, authentic Star Wars feel to it. I also like how, um, I really like the Brian Wood Star Wars book, but, like, sometimes the narration, I'm like, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. And there's, like, no narration in this. Um, That's cool. Or, or very little. Like, there's one at the end. Next issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, I think it has... The dialogue's very sparse. Um, it looks great. Yeah. I'm, Star Wars universe. It's crazy pretty. I'm, I'm down to read it. Yeah, um, I want to read it now, too. Yeah, I think I forgot to mention the colorist. I, I, think love, it, I, think I love everything Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, I think at this point, if it's going to be something Star Wars, I don't want... I don't want there to be Jedi. I don't want there to be, you know... Yeah. Bounty hunters. And these actually... And, like, I don't want there to be, like, the stereotypical stuff that every Star Wars spinoff or expanding universe thing But there has, has to, to be have. some. There has to yeah. be... No, I don't want that. I don't want the focus to be on that. I, I want the influence of that, and I want... If I want... If I'm going to read something Star Wars now, I want it to be, like, okay, yeah, this is the Star Wars universe where these things, those things exist, where Jedi exist, and I want to feel their influence. I don't want to... Yeah. See, I see what you mean. You know, I don't want to see a Jedi fighting the Sith Lord. Like, that's I want this, that to be like, part of the universe, and I want to be, I want that. And like, this, like, the character you see here at the beginning, who's, like, fighting with a lightsaber, that's actually not a Jedi. Uh-huh. He's, like, sort of, like, a government-appointed person who's, like, Force-sensitive, uh-huh. but he's not in the Jedi Order, and, okay. and he's not, you know, the main character of the thing. It's really, like, the, a lot of the book is just, like, Ania Solo and, uh-huh. and her Mon Calamari pal, who's, nice. like curmudgeonly good um, nice kind of <laughs> cowboy bebopy for some reason to me yeah yeah I could see that um, which I'm sure borrows from a lot of the same things I, I mm-hmm. think it's really interesting that I feel like for a long time Dark Horse had like I mean they had the Star Wars license like, which you is think, crazy like, how did that even yeah, happen you think like what's a no brainer for sales <clears throat> geeks like Star Wars get some big name creators they know put them on Star Wars books you'll sell a bunch but I think then they figured out they could not always hire like the top talent people and still uh-huh. sell enough to be profitable. And it seemed like now that they're in trouble, like under the threat of losing their license, now it's like, oh, let's do all these really interesting Star Wars books. And, like uh-huh. they just announced the Star Wars, which hmm. seems interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all for new like Star Wars stuff like that, especially. Well, as long as they don't have Sith or Jedi in it. No, and it's not. I don't mean like they can't have it in it. It's just like this. this You're really the angry same, about that. No, what it's the mean? same stories mean? told over and over again. The same stories, but you. There has to be Sith and Jedi. Th- does there though? <laughs> I just feel like if some guy comes out later, like it'd be really cool if there was like one lone Jedi or something. You're gonna be like, ah, oh, fuck it. No, that's fine. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. That's that's cool. But like, I, I'm more I'm more concerned that it's gonna eventually delve into like. A ragtag group of individuals have to like come together, like that mm-hmm. type of thing, like where they get all the so tropes. It just turns into Justice League. Well, no, <laughs> where it turns into a new hope. Justice League International. Sorry. You know where it's like uh-huh. all these tropes come together. The, these right. generic, yeah. you know, sh- character yeah. shells yeah. come together and, but and I mean, take that, down. That can be guy. fine. That's fine a lot mm-hmm. of the time. That's Firefly. 
but taking place in the Star Wars universe is right. different. That's exactly. too yeah. familiar. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, for sure. I, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm all for new Star Wars stuff, especially in the comic book realm. But it has to be something different. Where's the descendant of Thrawn? Yeah. That's what where's, I want. where's that guy at? Where's his 12th clone? <laughs> <laughs> that just seems like a very Thrawn thing to do. I knew I had I knew I was gonna die, so I had a clone, which is in the in the books, and it's really awesome. <sighs> but then what if he was like and I knew <laughs> you'd find about that clone. I don't wanna, <laughs> so I let's let's, let's not clone. get into Star Wars novels. Alright. But good. don't ever make an ugh sound about the Thrawn books because they're fucking awesome yeah. and you've never read them. Yeah, I haven't. They're awesome. Alright. Uh, moving on. Speaking of batshit crazy things that are awesome. <laughs> Manhattan Project. PD, I know you're not reading this. I should be. Uh, I told you to read it. It is, and the Brian is, and it's insane. Um, It just keeps getting better. This one, what are we on, 10? Yes. Manhattan Project number 10 is our main character, which, well, it started out as a main character, um, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, uh, The real Oppenheimer. Please stand up. (laughs) Is kind of a schizophrenic and has lots of different versions of himself in his brain talking to him and kind of existing all at one time and they're all evil <laughs> for what we've what we've seen however this issue decides to introduce a protagonist into the Manhattan Project universe in the form of one of his like subconscious Oppenheimer yeah, inside but, of him and it's supposed to be like his brother his brother yeah who he, he killed, killed and, and ate. then ate his eyeballs and well, that's he ate how, all of them oh, he ate all of them and that's how he got this one, at least exists. one soul yeah. inside of inside his brain of who's now like a good at guy. war with all his evil yeah. um, so the entire issue is the good one basically <laughs> fighting hundreds of versions of the evil one but this all takes place just inside of the one Oppenheimer's head I don't know what the hell you're talking about it, see oh. I, I know but it's awesome yeah it's just the art continues to be great. Uh, this is a different artist, is it? Yeah, I, it was actually. Then? It's Jordi Belair, yeah. killing it, yeah, to ridiculous extent. There you go. That's how good of a colorist that, that um, Jordi Belair is. In that, yeah, it doesn't lose any of um, its. Uh-huh. Yeah, Nick Patara is the normal artist who's done every single issue up until this one, and then I noticed as I, I'm like, oh, Ryan Brown drew it. Who? Um, Ryan Brown has a webcomic called God Hates Astronauts that had a just had a <laughs> crazy successful Kickstarter. I think his like goal was like fifteen thousand. It ended at like seventy five thousand. Um, I actually I was I was on that. Um, so I, I encourage everyone to check out that. I don't know what the website is, but just look up God Hates Astronauts. I'm sure it's the only one. But he he has a little more like he's a little cleaner. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I gotta say, I've been loving Nick Patara on this. Yeah. And after this issue, I'm like, I kind of wish Ryan Brown was just drawing. They're both it. excellent, and the the comic continues to be all the most bat shit science fiction awesomeness. Yeah. That Here's just, he just punched a horse. He, <laughs> he punches. He bites his ear and then punches him. First off, well, he punches him, then bites his ear, and then I believe he cuts off half his face. Oh no, it's an evil one. Okay. Cuts off half ninja. the horse face, and the horse just goes with, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah, see, you don't... And actually, this is not a bad jumping on point. If any, if no one's read it, and you, for whatever reason, don't want to read the first nine issues, you could yeah. probably read this and, and get 
You'll probably Semi get caught up. almost as much. You could even maybe even get the first issue, which I'm pretty sure is free on Comicsology, right, and, then this, and then this issue, yeah. and then like. What but you this, you, you will miss Yuri Gagarin's dog um, killing people with a machine gun. Okay, what is this comic <laughs> so, about? So it's like Leica. It's so you know the Manhattan what? Project was the project where the government you know Leica's built the atomic bomb. Anyway, uh-huh. um, so this is supposed to be. It's almost like BPRD esque. Okay. concept where it's like the Manhattan Project. So it's sort of like, imagine that was just something that they did uh-huh. on the side, but really they have all this other uh-huh. insane <laughs> shit going on. And it's, it I just, mean, it's really like... FDR uh, this, is a computer uh, AI. Okay, yeah. sounds awesome. So if that doesn't sell you, then I don't know what will. So she like, yeah, so the audience. characters are like, you know, Oppenheimer, who's like super genius, American... <laughs> But Werner von Braun has a cyborg arm. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, FDR is the AI. Harry S. Truman, oh, not yeah. a genius. American president, Freemason. Mm-hmm. Nice. He's like a crazy occultist. <laughs> All right. There's um, an evil Einstein. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Evil Einstein is a son of a bitch. He's a fucking ass. Um, and a drunk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really it's really hard to put into words. I'm having trouble yeah, you should just read it, it really. Um, just seems interesting. But yeah, this issue in particular, I think this actually might have been my favorite issue of the entire run so far. Like, it's pretty excellent. It really went back to exactly what I loved about the uh, first issue, which not that like the other issues haven't been good or anything. They've all been really good, but this was just like, I, I don't know, just really interesting, a lot of cool ideas and um, beautifully written, beautifully drawn. And, and despite mm-hmm. how insane everything is, like you get everything. That's what I love like, about it. Yeah, it's not. Like, it's like Grant Morrison writing Planetary, and it all works. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's it's really good, really interesting. Yeah. And like it said, Jordi Belair uh, doing. She's got two colors basically to do shades of. Yeah, uh, and this issue is all essentially red. And it's blue, all red and blue, and issue. it's it's varied and textured and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So buy it. Good on good on Jordi. <laughs> so guys. Spoiler alert. Uh-oh. Damian Wayne is fucking dead. What? Everyone thought Batman Inc. wasn't part of continuity. They're like, that one's just the crazy Grant Morrison thing, and it doesn't count. But they killed Damian Wayne. He's gone. And uh, now we've got to all endure the fallout of that. Which, so Batman came out and dealt with the fallout in a really interesting way. Um... And this came out this month, and I liked both of them. I hope we don't continue to get this every month of, like, Batman just being sad and putting away criminals. <laughs> but for at least one month, basically Batman's son is dead, and he's just just dove headfirst into work, you know? He's just like, I'm not, I can't be in this house. So he's just been out punishing. <laughs> but... Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, who do the Batman and Robin title, which... I kind of come on and come off of, like, I'll buy an issue and be like, oh, that's cool. Or like, oh, that's really good, and then I just won't buy the next couple, and then I'll come back on if I hear, like, that issue is good. It's it's a pretty uneven book, to be fair, and that's kind of how I feel about Peter J. Uh, Tomasi as a whole. Um, but this one, I, I heard it was really good, and then so I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get it. And then I heard it was a silent issue, and that kind of piqued my curiosity. Because Patrick Gleason has been, like... Um, I, I remember seeing his work when he was doing the, like, Dial H for Hero book, in, like the or, which I think was just called Hero, um, that Will Pfeiffer was writing in, like, 2004. 
Um, and he did an arc of that that I thought was really good. And since then, he's really evolved and, and brought in a lot more influence. He had this very, like, angular look when he first started. Now everything's kind of smoothed out, and he's brought in a lot of, like, influence from older artists. And I find his style to be really amazing. Um, I really like the way this book looks, and I like the idea of him just doing a silent comic that's sort of a reflection on um, on his time with uh, Damien. And uh, it is a little, is a little ham-fisted, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I found it to be effective. I read it on my own, not really expecting much, and uh, I didn't start crying or anything. But I, I was, I was feeling it. Um, I, I just really blown away by Patrick Gleason's line work. Um, it's very detailed, um, but it doesn't feel too heavy. Um, and there's this awesome page where Commissioner Gordon's got a cell phone call and then he goes up to the top of the uh, GCPD uh, building and the bad signal's there with just like, you know, 20 criminals locked up. And that there I appears to be a I mermaid. Like there appears to be a mermaid and like and a, bull, a two-headed a centaur. centaur. Yeah, I did like that. <laughs> but as you were talking about this flipping through, there's a scene where it looks like Batman gets mad at the lamppost that he was standing on. And he was like... Fuck you, Lampos are making me think of Damian Wayne, so he runs it over with the Batmobile. <laughs> what, is hap- what is happening? He's sleep deprived. He was mad at the Lampos. His lamp son post. is he's, dead. He's chilling on it, uh-huh. and then he thinks of Damien, and then he gets all 4chan, and then he runs over the lamppost that he was yeah. just sitting on. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't like you guys. There's a certain like level of seriousness. Yeah, I mean, like, it is... I it's, don't. That it's was, Batman. No, but I don't know if you can take Batman. That I don't like when people take Batman that seriously. Sometimes, like Arkham Ooh. Asylum, like that graphic novel. Mm. Like, that's a little too serious for Batman for me. I get that people really like that. I get that people really dig the whole Dark Knight aspect to it. But like, there's a little bit of it. Like that, you have to take a, it with a little bit of yeah of pulpy kind I, of fun. I agree with which that. Is why but it I doesn't love, like Long Halloween. Yeah, it, it's either that. To me, that's perfect Batman, or other perfect Batman is Batman in the greater DC universe, like with JLA and stuff, where it's like, you know, it's more superhero. Those are kinda, the two things I love about That's Batman. what's sort of amazing about Batman, is that he survived all these different interpretations, uh-huh. drastically different interpretations, everyone has a different Batman. And like what you're describing yeah. right now, not my Batman. Okay, yeah, see, so yeah, like, I... My Batman I, is Batman Year One. Like, the, to uh-huh. me, that's like every Batman comic should just be like that. Uh-huh. It should be like street level crime thriller uh, so I like um, that too and that's but there's again to, even to that there's also a sort of pulpy thing to that yeah like no, this I, is too serious like this is like I way too I agree I think that I mean I think the ham fistedness of it uh, feeds into that same idea maybe see I don't um, I don't and, and I, I a lot of people like I was reading you know the second this came out all like my twitter feed went crazy which is another reason why I'm like oh maybe I should pick this one up like, I heard about people crying reading this issue, which I didn't get there. But at the end, when, like, he sees the note and he goes a little bit crazy and starts trashing the locker, I was like... See, that I part I believed. Yeah. The and that, no, and that is the about... end. I mean, that's that's what punctuates it. The other stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, well, we do... It's a 20-page silent comic, so you gotta have... You gotta fill it with, like, different interpretations of basically the same thing over and over again. But why? Why don't but you I just felt make like, a cohesive story that you're not putting filler into? Well... That could help build to that. Um, and I, I feel like they stuck the landing. 
and like at the end of it, I was like, because honestly, even the the follow up Batman Inc. issue, even I was like, meh. Which is like Grant's the one who created the character and killed him, and I felt like the follow up wasn't that good. There's like a little Nightwing moment I thought was really well done, but I honestly I think this is the the best it's been, and I don't understand what this comic is going to be now. Uh-huh. It's called Batman and Robin. Well, that's cool. And I don't want them to create a new Robin because we already have. Twelve. Jason Todd, <laughs> Tim Drake, and uh, and Dick Grayson. So right, cripple more than that. Cripple Tim Drake, turn him into Oracle. Just get rid of Jason Todd forever. I'm yeah. down with that. And then Dick Grayson can stay in Nightwing because yeah. he cool. Right. I don't know this issue though. I didn't. The note I thought was that besides the Batman growly face, which <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't. I thought the note was terrible. I don't. I you don't I read, read Batman Inc. Though. Okay, fine. I, I I mean, okay, you're right. I did, and I did read. So you don't have a debut. lot of context. I read the whole Grant run when he created Damien. Okay. As you know, he's demon's head and all mm-hmm. that stuff with Talia. So maybe the wording in it, which I don't like, maybe that makes sense in terms of the character, but mm-hmm. this the idea that he wrote that stupid note is so fucking cliche. That it just it, that yeah, the but second this is like, time took me out of this. This thing. is a direct reference to something that happened in uh-huh. Batman. I think that's fine, but why did he write about it? Would well, you say it? It, it crashed. Like it, it crashed into the proverbial lamppost for you. It did. <laughs> it did. It, I hate purposefully. This podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry, but I really, I really didn't, I didn't enjoy. I Before didn't enjoy we move it. on, very quickly. Can we talk about Channel 52? Oh, oh my no. god, it's no. terrible. Can we talk I, about how terrible it is? I get, like I was saying before, God, I, every month I see one of these, and I'm like, maybe I'll read it this month. And I, get, <laughs> no. I, don't, and then you start. I don't get more than like one entire panel. Like I start and I'm like, magic attacks, Green Lantern's doomed. I'm Bethany Snow. I'm like, oh, God, fuck Well, because there needs to be like a... If anyone's not reading DC Comics, yeah, at all. It's like this, okay? Like, it's just... it's There's a... At the end of issues for years... get Aaron Sorkin to write. Yeah. At the end of issues for years, there's always like a kind of a recap of what's going on in the DC universe. They tried many different ways to get the information across to everybody. So I guess this year they were like, hey... You know what kids like? The news. Uh-huh. So we should make a fake news broadcast at the end and illustrate it at the yeah. end of every issue I, with Vicky Vale. Like ambush Bug. Ambush Bug and it's Calendar Man. It's My favorite. Bethany Snow. Sorry, yeah. whoever that is. My favorite is the ones at Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman is so detached from the rest of the DC universe and then you just. And then you read, yeah. Thing, yeah. Like, what the hell? And Calendar Man's in it. Uh, uh, Calendar Man? Calendar Man is like the weather guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they were just like, we can't do the weather wizard because that's yeah, too obvious. And <laughs> we need him in Flash, so let's use Calendar Man. I kind of wish they would just do a letters column. Why not do like, anything but this? Which I don't love letters columns, but I like breezing through them. I like kind of like scanning yeah. them, and then if I see something that looks interesting, I read it. But Same. like this, I just see this, and I'm like, oh boy, Close. is it just like Freddie Williams? Do they have an exclusive <laughs> contract with Freddie Williams, and they're like, well, we're not going to put them on any of our books. So. <laughs> Draw this crap. I, I literally, I look at the pictures and then determine if I want to skim reading it. I don't even skim reading yeah. it. That's how bad it is. It's yeah. really bad. I read DC Nation was better than this, and I hate that, and I hate the name of it. But I still read it, because I at least wanted to see what was going on. 
Oh, oh it's it's God. terrible. On to something awesome. Oh yeah, my final my final pick um, for the month, Invincible's one hundred and first issue, which I first had to give it props for the cover, which has a giant, like, splattery first issue um, tag on it, and then in small letters on the side it says one hundred and, so it's the one hundred and first <laughs> issue, but it's just kind of, um, I guess, making fun of people who just pick up first issues because it says first issue on it, but anyway. 100 issues, awesome milestone. They've covered a lot, I think, in the Invincible Universe. And yeah. As opposed to a comic like, I hate to make the comparison, but I'm going to. After 100 issues of Walking Dead, yeah. I'm done. Yeah, I yeah. don't have any, I don't really? find it interesting anymore. Huh. Don't want to do dig it. it. I mean, I'll, I'll read, maybe I'll pick up a trade later, but uh, I don't yeah. feel the need to read it month to month. Invincible, I still dig it. Um, this one, obviously, as you could probably imagine, is kind of setting up the next hundred issues <laughs> and uh and it, it does it well i think if you look at issue one to this hundred and one uh-huh. absolutely nothing alike uh, a lot's happened it's been effective and um it's just mark getting on with his life there's still some storylines that he's weaved through and managed to keep up with um that are are, uh, are coming to a head i don't want to give away too much if no one's read it but you have mark and eve um his relationship with the government guy whose name is escaping me. Cecil. Cecil. Um, Cecil. Omni-Man's still in it. Uh, Alan, he's not in this issue, but, you know, it, it, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I found it a really solid issue. The art is obviously amazing, as always. Otley's it, it fantastic. Very, like, I started reading it when it first was coming out, and then, like, I fell out of comics for a little while, and then I'm like, oh, too much has happened, I can't just jump back in. So it's, like, one of those things where, like, every month I'm like, hey, I gotta get those trades. Yeah, you can yet. read but this, it, you can read this one yeah. and fill in the gaps. I'm I'm gonna get caught up one of these days, but it seems very, like, almost, like, Savage Dragony in that, like, <laughs> it's got really good control over the continuity. Definitely. And, like, characters grow and change, things like that, which Savage Dragon, I know, it's like, oh, it's one of those, like, image long titles, like, gritted teeth and stuff. But that comic is awesome. Yeah. This this uh, is, is like it. It's got it's its own universe. Yeah. Everything is creator-controlled. He's got a good handle on it. I think he knows yeah. what he wants to do with it, um, and it's awesome. I don't know. I, I highly recommend it, which is kind of... Redundant, I think, yeah. in the world at this it's point. Sort of like everyone knows, Invincible. like, oh yeah, Invincible, it's yeah. really good. Guess what, guys? Breaking news, Invincible's good. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler Invincible's alert. It's good. awesome. But, Is there uh, still Black Invincible? Yeah. He's oh, in this one. Cool. Um, Is he really? Yeah. yeah. The the Guardians of the yeah. Globe. I mean, everyone's in it, and, they, and it sets their spot for the foreseeable future. And it's good. Yeah. You should read it. Oh. I'll big clip, big, uh, yeah. I don't want to spoil it. Just read it. Okay. It's good. I will. Yes. Give it to me now. Do it. Here, I'll give it to right here. So. <laughs> and the last thing we would like to talk about is Saga. Okay, let's do it. Uh, what was that? What are we on? 10? Saga 10? Uh, ten? No, it's 12, isn't it? 12? No. I don't know. I don't. Wrong. Purple? Pink? It's 13. 11. 11. Ah. Okay, anyway. There's not much to talk about, really, because nothing happened. Except for what? one thing happened. What? Uh, spoiler one very, alert. One, Who are you? One very important thing happened. Spoiler alert. But Spoil- that yeah. was the shortest issue yet. Uh, I felt it longer than the past, like, two. Really? I Yeah. I, I felt I, that yeah. it's had one of the absolute best moments in Saga. So, like, a few? You mean the fact a few that it opens with... Uh, 
Then fucking straight, <laughs> straight fucking. And Alana is grabbing um, his yeah, horns, like was... holding onto his horns yeah, while having sex. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. More beefcake, by the way, ladies. We talked about this last week. <laughs> where it starts with shirtless uh, yeah. Marco. Now you get shirtless and shirtless Marco and topless. Um, God, why is her name escaping me? Alana. Alana. Yeah. yeah. I, I like Fiona draws. I mean, she draws really good everything, but she draws really good naked people. Like, <laughs> yeah. they look. I hope she. she like, they're them. both she very sexy, attractive people, but. They look real, like they look like they could be real. It's not like a lot of other uh-huh. comics where it's just like tits and yeah. Ass. And the implications of that are frightening. What? what? So is she just looking up a lot of porn? <laughs> is she like Greg Land lightboxing some fucking like <laughs> wow. smut <Let's> rags? <laughs> no, clearly she's not because she's awesome. Yeah, but I mean, she's got to get the reference from somewhere, folks. It's called anatomy. Mm. Oh. <laughs> anyway, no. There's, there's one particular awesome moment in here. I guess Besides we should, I the guess fucking, we, I guess we should. Yeah, I guess we should call guys. It. More things than fucking yeah. happen. I don't know. We haven't had we to say go back to spoilers that. about anything except this is. Yeah. No, we should be able to spoil the hub saga. No, yeah. So yeah, this is spoiler. This is your final spoiler warning. So Lion Cat lives, which I, yeah. Petey was over here thinking he was gonna die. No, I said I, I felt. Said, I felt, oh, you felt sure yeah. that he no, was. No, I said probably no. not. And we all forgot about his freaking cool lance, which was like yeah. the easiest. Like it was such an yeah. easy solution. Yeah. The lance and thing. None yeah. of us remembered. Yeah. Um, but he no, uses the lance to. This does seem like a little bit of dubious science here, where he's just bit. out in space. A little bit. Like just out. In space. He's holding and his he's breath. Fine. He's holding his breath. <laughs> that would make it worse. He's the goddamn will. Also, you have to exhale. Law of displacement. No, don't they? Uh, doesn't she seal up the hole first before he jumps out? No, or is that look after? At it. Look oh. at it. It's yeah. open. It's wide he open. He it up after. He held his breath when it started. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. I mean, come on. Theoretically, I mean, this takes place in what? I don't really Less care. than a minute. I don't really yeah. care if the science is inaccurate. I'm uh, just kidding. While we're on the will, though, I would like to bring up. His hood. his hood. Have we seen him with his hood on yet? I. We why? have, right? Well, what are you talking about? He, well, there it is, right there. You can see that he noticed, has a hood. Have on you noticed his cape. other, like, look at. It oh, has, it's like, got little eye it holes. It has, like, eye holes in it. Yeah. Uh, he has, like, what? a mask on his hood. Wow. And why have we Dude. not seen him wear this yet? You just blew my <laughs> mind. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed it last issue, and you see it more in this issue. See, look at what? right there. Yeah. Oh, my God. I did, I did yeah. notice that. I forgot about that, though. That's fucking. Yeah, I love this. It's so yeah. awesome. We need to we need to see him with this. We movie. need more of the will. I mean, like he's been yeah, the will. He's been yeah. in like every issue, and really yeah. importantly, suddenly out of nowhere, and I like it. Right, but yeah. so the will saves Lion Cat, which is yeah. awesome, and then they kind of stabilize themselves. Right, take yeah. they take off. Yeah, and then there's a little sort of like right when you're feeling like oh Lion Cat's alive, thank God. Yeah, thank you go cut back to Marco and Alana's little like seed plant spaceship and yeah. it's like falling apart yeah. and moving so fast because it's a tree like the baby it's a monster. Tree. Yeah. and so marco's dad has to use like all of his magic to hold it together and marco's dad dies yep. yeah but it was sad it was uh, sad yeah. no, but it, what was sadder than that is just the, my favorite thing in saga so far is when marco finds out and he just you just that from here to the end of that. Yeah. Well, His little flashback. The the flashback. Yeah, I don't where know he's why, riding a cricket. That transition yeah. was so perfect. First no, off, yeah. to have that kind of transition between two panels. Yeah. yeah. 
is which is actually short of amazing. Which is usually sort of a no-no with comics too. It's like yeah, you yeah. never like change scene like mid, right? You know, mid page. You wait till the next one and do your establishing <laughs> right. shot, and right? Then, like, right. I mean, cause but it's, it's you're right. It totally it totally works in this. Yeah. Like, and how I if that was on the next page, it wouldn't be as effective. Oh no. But no, not at all. And, and then to great. have the flashback take place all in their native language. No, yeah, I mean, there's no... There's like no... Yeah, no translation, no, like... But I mean, English, you don't need it. Quote. It's it's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's great. No, it's great. <sighs> is, this yeah. the, is this the first time that, Haz- that Hazel that cusses somewhere in there? I thought it was funny. I feel like future <laughs> Hazel has sworn before. before. Yeah. She looks like kind of a punk bee. I think <laughs> she might have in her uh-huh. life at one point. Mm. But... Uh, also, awesome that you, um, there's that much emotion behind a character that we essentially met two, three issues ago. Marco's yeah. father? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, barely. Really has He's not been in that it. Long. Well, that's yeah. been, I think, this whole comic book is yeah. like the stock and like. And right, someone comes will. in and they're yeah. like instantly. And they're like, oh, that's a cool character. Giving yeah. and taking away. Yeah. Uh, but, that, but you instantly are drawn to like every yeah, character there. Yeah. Brian Kavon, Cave, uh, Fiona Staples. I just. I don't want this book to ever end. Yeah. No, and he like, said he never wants it to end. Yeah, and I feel like, like, I don't ever, like, even when I'm really enjoying a comic, I have this feeling of, like, cool, this is awesome. Like, Scott Snyder's running Batman. I'm like, this has to turn to crap eventually. Right, so... Like, I just yeah. know it's going to happen. And that's, like, that's comics. It's right. good and it's bad. It's good. Like, and I understand that and I've made peace with it. But with <laughs> this, like, mm-hmm. I read I read Saga and I'm, I don't feel like it's ever going to get bad. Yeah. I feel like he's going to do enough, and then, like, if he ever feels he's getting anywhere close to that, he's just going to be like, all right, call it quits. Right. But yeah, I feel like he great. can go, I mean, and I hope he does, I hope that this goes on for, like, 200 issues. Like, Oh, yeah. Ugh. And ugh. I've said a lot of, I've made a lot of crazy claims in my life, but I will cry, literally cry <laughs> tears out of my eyes if Fiona Sable ever leaves this book. Yeah. No, yeah, it wouldn't work without her. <laughs> like, I, that, yeah. I would... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I like the schedule they're doing where it's like they do an arc and then they take a break. So and that's fine. they can catch up yeah. and they do an arc and take a break. And I think that's really cool. I'd way rather have that than have, like, a fill and artist come yeah. and have it every month, you know? Yeah, no. I kind of like that schedule and I understand that, as we were talking about earlier, that doesn't make them quite as much money. Right. But it's a much more... It's a quality product. And yeah. I'm no, this to needs to it. this needs to be them, yeah. and it, it is them, and it's wholly yeah. them. And if it's not them, then it's not Saga. Yeah, yeah. which is, which is impressive for eleven issues for an artist to establish herself as like the end all of a comic book. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times through eleven issues, you can still like, oh, but you know, I could see if someone else got on this, uh-huh. like it could mm-hmm. still be viable. Still be good. Right? Nope, yeah. not Saga. Yeah, it would be I weird. think she's already established that, like. Well, no, like like with Walking Dead, not... like that sort of thing, where it's like that comic hadn't really established itself yet, even story wise or like well, anything wise before yeah. the art changed. More it was on six issues. Yeah, it was on six issues and then Adler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah actually, he's drawn every issue since. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's got a hell of a run. But but even then, if they switched, it, I think it could work. Uh-huh. Even though I just said I stopped reading it a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> I no, still, I would, I, I think, think because, well, Walking, that's a specific case with Walking Dead where it's like the, the content, the subject matter, it would be beneficial in my eyes to switch. I could see that, especially since you have so many characters coming and going. Yeah. You kind of yeah. like change things up. I but, love Adler's work on it. Anyway, though, this is Saga. But Saga. And yeah. it's amazing. Uh, are we going to make our little offer again? Yeah, we should. We should. If, 
for whatever reason you're reading this, which means you like comics, hopefully. Mm. You mean listening to this? Uh, if you're reading, <laughs> reading this podcast, this podcast well, the person that you have, have transcribing this next to you, <laughs> yeah. and then reading their transcription of yeah. this, this um, or you who are listening, obviously you like comics, and if for whatever reason you like comics, are listening to us, and are not reading Saga, we will buy you the first trade paperback. Of Saga. Email because us. Because we care. Yes. We care about you. Which we... is, yeah, it's the first six issues of Saga. That's yes. plenty to get you involved. Mm-hmm. So if you write to us, make an impassioned plea, mm-hmm. money or gifts don't don't mm-hmm. hurt. They don't Preferably hurt. a drawing, if you can draw us something. Yeah. Draw what you think we look or, like without seeing us. You yes. know, just <laughs> after, after we give you this wonderful gift, you know... Maybe uh, spread the good word about yeah, uh, that Optic too. Blast podcast. That too, but we will. But uh, email your plea. Uh, we probably won't get many, so we'll either pick from the <laughs> only one we get. Yeah. Uh, your odds uh-huh. are pretty good. Yeah. Your odds are very good. Yeah. Um, nobody that we know, please, yeah. personally. Yeah. Friends, siblings, listening to this. You know who you are. But, uh, but t- maybe you can tell your friends about <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, but you can email us at opticblast.podcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll buy you comics. Yeah, two and degrees we'll of separation send them, only. Send them to your house. So that's about as good as that deal gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you read it and you tune in, we might... This is kind of fun, like the funnest we have is just discussing saga. Every yeah. Month. So maybe we should just make it a regular thing. We just yeah, talk I think about we might saga. do like a saga thing. We just won't get as, as in-depth on it. Just like, just yeah. try to make crazy uh-huh. observations about mm-hmm. saga. Like the... Fucking hood! I can't get over the hood, that now. It's great. Little eye holes in it. He's a superhero. He's a superhero. Oh, he is. He, is. he has. He has a the name. He's yeah, the yeah. will. Yeah. Should his name <laughs> be the hood then? Uh, the red hood, and his outlaws. <laughs> uh, great. He's a Perfect. misogynist. Right. Anyway, so those are reviews for the month. Uh, go to our website www.optic-media.com. Uh, and click on the podcast tab in the show notes. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought of the books uh, last month. So uh, now we're going to push on a little bit here. And I believe Miguel has prepared a segment. <sighs> yes. Tasty treat. My favorite segment. To educate us here at Optic Blast as well as the listeners at uh-huh. home. That's right. Yeah, we have no idea what he's going to talk about. Nope. Hey, guys. Did you know that one of Batman's villains... Is a living ventriloquist doll? <laughs> well, I did, because I have a little friend, and his name is Wikipedia. Uh. <laughs> and he's going to be, he's going to be, a, I almost picked the ventriloquist for this week, but wow. I didn't. I saved you guys. I like and, the ventriloquist. Well, I came up with a pretty, the, the ventriloquist's <laughs> story is pretty good, but I came up with a good one. I picked on Marvel last, last podcast, so I decided to go episode. DC. We said we'd never mention it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pace pot pee, you guys. <laughs> anyway, I went to DC this year, this year, this month. Um, so we're going to the DC universe this month, and yes, I chose a little guy by the name of Killer Moth. Okay. Wow. So, I'm more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy, and I don't know who Killer Moth uh-huh. is. Oh, kill. Okay. Well, you you were in luck. There is there is a villain named Killer Moth. Okay. Who don't let his name fool you. He dresses like a giant moth. Um, Fair so enough. he's tangled. Uh, if he dressed like a rabbit, that would be weird. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he goes to Moth. He's a Bat Batman villain. Bat villain. He's fought Batman, and I guess his more notable battles were against Batgirl. Um, 
the great Batgirl Year One, which I've yet to read, but I heard is excellent. Apparently, he's in that. But really, I thought I read. Anyway, that. he's a bad guy. What's great? What I already like, love about what I read about him is is right off the bat, his first appearance. He doesn't even have a name. He's a no-name prisoner who's known only by his cell number. And THX eleven thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He is. He escapes prison, and this is already. He creates. I don't know. He becomes a villain, and he steals a bunch of money. And using his riches, he sets himself up with the alter ego as a billionaire philanthropist. Philanthropist. Cameron Cameron Von Clear. (laughs) <laughs> and so to further his basically it, this is what it says and it's crazy he creates a moth cave kind of like the bat cave and it's identical to the bat cave because he read about the bat cave in a newspaper article wait a minute <laughs> so, wait, 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 I don't wait. I don't understand yeah Apparently, was it like Collier's magazine, like a <laughs> fucking tour of the Batcave? Yeah. Actually, I could see that happening in like old school Batman. Yeah, like, there's a tour. Yeah, maybe oh it's God. a tour. Maybe they just someone or penthouse era Batman when he had like the penthouse. Yeah. Either way, oh. God. Okay. Either way, uh, based on a newspaper article, he creates a moth cave and this alter ego of a billionaire philanthropist and of course becomes friends with Bruce Wayne. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, because Bruce Wayne has lots of friends. He does. Well, they're all billionaire philanthropists. It's true. It's true. <laughs> That's the only way you get in Bruce Wayne's inner circle. It's true. Okay. He uh, he does that. He even goes so far as to create a moth signal <laughs> for... <laughs> what? <laughs> this plot, I'm just realizing, is actually very similar to Talia's plot in The Dark Knight Rises. That's what she did. She became a philanthropist. True. And she got access to everything. He gave her the keys to a fucking bomb <laughs> that true. could destroy the it's entire true. city because so she was go. a philanthropist. So there you go, <laughs> bat villains. Just become a billionaire philanthropist and Batman trusts you completely. 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 But he does. He creates a moth signal that he uses, I guess, gives to villains... <laughs> To signal him when they need help with a crime. Does he just... Is it just a light and it eventually attracts a moth and then that projects right, it? Right, right. <laughs> it's not lost on on, on anyone. Which... Uh, the moth signal seems counterproductive to me in that isn't he just broadcasting out to all of Gotham City like a crime is being committed right now? Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Crime's being committed somewhere, so come on, Batman. Well, that's that's Gotham City 101. Just that's, that's how it is. Crime is being committed at all times. True. Yeah. True. At all times. Yeah, that's true. It is. I've seen the Joel Schumacher Batmans. So. Yeah. Aww. No, yeah. Every two minutes, someone has their bag stolen. Yeah, by yeah. somebody with in blacklight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well. yeah blacklight. The blacklight game. Neon street game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's his basic stick. Uh, this is this is sorry I should most because this is pre-crisis. Whoa, okay. So you know DC Universe has been to pre-crisis and post-crisis. So this, this is pre-crisis. Um, Hold <laughs> on, did you know that there's a uh, like a Batman movie wikia and there is a specific entry on the Neon Gang's leader? Um, there's a specific entry really? for him. Yes. Oh well, I'm gonna save that. Yeah, please we'll talk about that. Who wrote uh, that? I don't know. I don't know. We can. Yeah. 
we could add to it though. Yeah. Um, so that's his that's his stick. Um, no powers. This guy has no powers. Okay. He is kind of like Batman. <laughs> Again, kind of like, okay. parallel to Batman, moth, bat. Um, he just uses various contraptions. Um, you know, guns, ropes, smoke, yada yada. Uh, at one point, which I did like, is he learns Batman's secret identity. He learns he's Bruce Wayne, and is then shot. And comes down with a case of amnesia (laughs) and forgets before he can tell anybody who he is. So this is all that's post that's pre sorry pre crisis Uh killer moth. Now post crisis killer moth is even. It is a post crisis killer moth. It's even. He's even better. So he's still some jerk that sucks. He has a real name. I forgot to write it down. But I'm sure all the Killer Moth fans out there all get angry emails about of what course. his real name is. I hope so. That I didn't care to remember. Um, he creates a band called The Misfits. Okay. Uh, a <laughs> band called The Misfits? Uh, uh, like a, a merry band of <laughs> evildoers. Oh. A uh, stable, if you will. Okay. A stable of heels. <laughs> all right. Is his name Danzig? <laughs> Glenn Danzig. Glenn Danzig. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, cre- he creates this group. He decides to align himself with the likes of Catman and the Calendar Man, who Excellent. we were talking about earlier. Excellent. And the- these... I like Catman. You like Catman now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they made him cool. Yeah. He used to be terrible. He was not cool. No. Not until Gail Simone came along. Exactly. No, exactly. Villains for Hire. He, he was cool. Yeah. But, so th- that these are the types of guys that he's running with. Yeah. Trying to fight Schmucks. Batman. He fights Batgirl a bunch. <laughs> loses a bunch. So then decides to do what any self-respecting villain would do and sell his soul okay. for ultimate power. Alright, so right. I'm in. Yeah. So he... Uh, the specifics are very vague. He somehow connects to a demon, sells his soul, and becomes a moth-like monster. <laughs> <laughs> So that sounds like a good deal. So he's not yeah. he's not human anymore. Monster it becomes creepy looking. A, like a yeah, a monster like Oh my god. Uh, like, like remember when Spider Man grew the six arms and was yeah. like a man spider? Yeah. Like that. Just like that? Awesome. Like that. But voluntarily. But, but voluntarily <laughs> and a mom. This is gonna be a good deal for me. <laughs> this is a good deal. So um that's what he did and he lost a bunch and no one really cares about him. And he he did come back as a Black Lantern for you Green oh, Lantern good. fans in The Blackest Night. That's weird. I don't remember that. He's in there. Uh-huh. He's in there. And um, Wait, Does that mean he died? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... It, That's he, not important. Yeah. Everybody dies. dies. Okay. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> he dies at some point. Uh, okay. Yeah. Do you really he, care about how like, Killer Moth dies? Like he did, did he it. like get too close to the bat signal? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, based on everything I've told you about him, do you think he dies in a cool way? No, probably not. <laughs> it's, it's inconsequential how. Oh, so yeah. So he dies and he comes back as a Black Lantern. Okay. Um, the hey, only... When he comes back, is he people-like or is he still all like mothy? Crazy. <laughs> You get pollen on the rest of the. Sorry, uh, I keep using all these very technical terms. Yeah, pollen and mothy. Is he still mothy crazy? Um, you yeah, sure. Know. We're gonna say yeah. We're gonna say yeah. <laughs> Didn't say, man. I'm only going off Wikipedia. I, I refuse to do any further investigation in these debris. Right. Somebody email us. Um, yeah, if you know, please tell us, and we'll make an on-air addendum. Uh, the only cool thing he did two cool things. 
No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. No. Nope. <laughs> and we'll tell you what they are. First is he, and this is according to Wikipedia, everybody. He's the inspiration for the monarch. Excellent. In Adventure Brothers. Oh, my in, mighty monarch. Exactly. In Adventure Brothers? Is that what you just said? In the Venture oh, Brothers. Adventure Brothers. Adventure Time Brothers. Adventure Time oh, Brothers. Oh, Adventure Brothers. Yes. So and if you look up, go online and look up what Killer Moth looks like and then look at the monarch. I mean, they're similar. They're both. Do they both this modeled the after? Does he have the eyebrows like the monarch? No, oh. he's got wings and he's modeled after a insect. Does he hang out with David Bowie? No, unfortunately. Oh. And second magic cool, dance. Second cool thing, he's in Lego Batman Part Two. The video games. So, and you can be him. Really, he's a playable character. Uh. So you know you've made it when you've made it into Lego Batman. Yeah, yeah. No, so there you go. You laughed real. at him earlier. Uh huh. Where's the calendar man in Lego are, Batman? Are any of us in Lego Batman? No. No. I'm not. Petey, you certainly aren't. Certainly not. Brian, maybe. I haven't yeah. played it, so I can't vouch. So anyway, is that all you got? That's all I got. I have one question off. for you. I think I'm going to ask you this on everyone yeah. until you start putting it in there. Go ahead. Has he been clicked in Hero Clicks? There you go. Oh, I should start looking that up. Uh, I think he has. What? I want to I wanna say mm. I'm about 95% sure that he has. All right, folks, email us. No, I got an iPhone. I'll find out for you guys right now. You guys talk about some. Talk about injustice some more. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> no, and we're then, not going to do that. And then, why, don't we, uh, why don't we move on to uh, the bookshelf segment? All right. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Segway music. Welcome to the bookshelf, a segment in which one of us picks a book off their shelf that at least, at least one person enjoyed, and uh, we take some time to uh, pick it apart. Um, if you like to join the discussion, leave us a comment on our show notes or, uh, find us on Twitter at Optic Blastcast. Um, this month we're going to talk about I Kill Giants by Joe Kelly and Jimkin Nimura. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Put out by Image Comics in, in 08. So I think this was, was PD, were you the one who suggested that we do this? Uh, I feel like we maybe. all kind of like just wanted to do it. Yeah, I think but, so. No, I really love I Kill Giants. Um, for those of you who don't know, I Kill Giants is sort of a coming-of-age story, I would say. It's about a little girl and her... It's about a well, lot of things. It's about a lot of things. It's <laughs> about her struggle with giants. Yeah, so um, for those of you who haven't read it, I was thinking we kind of just give some general thoughts about it, and then maybe midway get into some, yeah, spoilers, into some spoilers, because... Stuff. I want people to have the chance to check this out. Yeah. I think right. all three of us would unanimously say that it's good. No, it's really should, good. Oh, without, you should it's read it. Better than so, Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, so I will say, if you haven't read it, you know, you can listen to the beginning of this, and uh, we'll let you know when we get into spoiler territory. So yeah, <laughs> I Kill Giants. It uh, focuses on the story of Barbara, who is a bit of an outsider. I believe she's, what, 10 years old? She's in fifth grade. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it focuses on her in school and being a bit of a loner and mm-hmm. dealing with possibly some problems at home. Yeah. Which at the beginning they kind of hint at uh, mm-hmm. to the point where you actually get to something where she's she's discuss, discussing her problems with like the school psychiatrist. Yeah. And they actually black yeah, out Yeah, they text, black out what's actually being said. Which I thought that was one of those really cool... I love when people do things in comics that you can only do in comics. Yeah. Like, you could do that, I guess, in a movie or a show uh, by, no, like, bleeping yeah. out dialogue, but it would seem more intrusive. Yeah. This is just sort of a subtle way to be like, oh, there's something that she's yeah. saying that's really upsetting. No, I do really have stuff like that. Um, 
but it's really, it's a gorgeous looking book. It's all black and white. Um, I, it looks like digital art to me with gray tones. No, yeah, the um, art is fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. It's I, really sad that this is, I think, his only real, at least uh, something that's been released here in the States. Yeah. This is his only major publication. Yeah. It, uh, an art book by him did just get released. Um, it's really, really cheap. It's only like eight or nine bucks. It's really nice. It's If you're a fan of the that. art, definitely look into that. Yeah. And he's like a perfect fit for this because mm-hmm. being that it's a coming of age story and is about like really heavy problems yeah. that this kid is dealing with. It has this sort of like peanuts, Charles Schultz <laughs> kind of like looseness I to it. So. Like, it's very, I, um, like it has a, like a sixties illustration style I suppose so. looseness to it that I think really brings in like the anxiety of the situations. Uh, I think for me, yeah, yeah it's, um, that's, that's interesting when you look at it. Uh, I think for me, like, there's a, there's a interesting, like, let's see, allocation of detail is the way I would yeah. put it. Um, expressions are very, very well done, mm-hmm. but they're, they're, a lot of the time, not a lot of the time, but like half the time I would say they're done in kind of like a, a Japanese, like, manga-esque kind of way, mm-hmm. where they're yeah. more exaggerated expressions. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some really, really subtle ones that, that show like, you know, very, very good control of expressions. Yeah. And those are all usually really detailed, even when they're not detailed. Like, even if the, the eyes are only, like, little tiny yeah. dots, like, they still perfectly portray what the character is, is, Every, you know, is going through or, or thinking. Yeah. Everything's very evocative. Yeah, exactly. Like what it's should be. And then the, the backgrounds, like, it's it's very dreamy and childlike to me because, like, certain things will be very detailed. Like, you can see yeah. the text on a poster here, or you can see, like, stuff that would be important to a kid. Like, there's, there's stuff that's detailed, but then there's, like, big far-out shots or, like, even... Even when there's like a, a more like a, just a room, some stuff is really detailed and some stuff isn't. Like stuff that wouldn't yeah. be important to a kid. Like it's it's not always that precise, but it gives it this really like yeah, kind of loose, dreamy mm-hmm. yeah. like you well, just wonderland. Also, that's what that's what Brian with I what Brian said about evocative of even her mental state. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the entire book, the art looks like it could fall apart at any time. Yeah, it yeah. does. Like. All the people, the drawings look they could just drop and it would make sense yeah. that they fell. Yeah. Well, but it doesn't. It's... That kind of wonderful Charles Schultz thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which, like, I remember being a kid and seeing like the really early peanut strips by Charles Schultz and they're like super clean and detailed. Uh-huh. And then like he changed from that to like that super loose thing because it was about like the anxiety of being a kid. And you have that sort of illustrated, oh, I don't know, I hesitate to say better, but like bringing more influence into it. Like you've got the anime influence that's in there and like, that speaks to a lot of like the whole of like child's point of view on it and being that especially she seems to be a very nerdy kid. Right. Um, I suppose so. Yeah. Uh, and it gives the, the book a lot of like energy as well. Like really, I mean, this book is for the most part, as far as what's actually going on in the story it's just people talking yeah. for, for no, yeah. quite a long time. Well, there are giants. And there's, folks. there are giants yeah, in the yeah. book. No, it's extremely, <laughs> it's extremely slice of life. Yeah. But it it always feels like there's a sense of action and movement yeah, to it. Yeah, does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. that it's the manga, the manga like influence. Yeah. Um, it it's got like a little bit of European there. It's kind of interesting. Um, when I was looking through this, um, uh, Jam Ken Nimura is, I I assume of Japanese Japanese ancestry or mm, heritage. I have no idea. Yeah, Nimura. That sounds e- either way. Um. But he lives, like, he's lived in France, he's lived in Spain, um, 
you know, he's doing comics with an American. He kind of brings this, like, the collaboration of it brings this sort of perspective where it's very general. Like, you could read this translated in any country and uh-huh. it would feel real, even though it's, like, it's set in Rhode Island. Uh-huh. Right. But, like, it's... You see that, like, once you know it's Rhode Island, you're like, oh, okay, I could see that. But uh-huh. otherwise, it could just be... Anywhere. A really. town on a coast. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. And it's... I don't know. It's a very well done. No, yeah, yeah. it's extremely um, well done. It's it's also the perfect length, I think, like, for telling this kind of a story. Yeah. Like, I was it actually doesn't, to mention that. It doesn't, like, overstep its bounds. There's nothing... There's nothing in here that's not important to the story. Yeah. Like, it... It tells yeah, there's exactly no side, there's no side plots. There's no, no yeah. It tells exactly what it needs to tell, with all the characters involved, and I, like, yeah. I found too that I mean, everyone has different like styles, like pacing they like, and obviously different uh-huh. types of stories are gonna have different pacing. I found this was like this is exactly how I like my stories paced. Like, there's no narration, which right. most of the time I really dislike. There's a few people who do it extremely well. Like, I don't know, Scott Snyder, Grant Morrison does really great narration. Um, but for the most part, I don't really like narration. And there's, like, just enough dialogue. Like, it's never overly sparse, except for on pages right. where it should be sparse. Um, and then there's never, like... There's no panel in here that's just, like, choked out with word balloons. Right, yeah, even yeah. on yeah. some of the really dialogue-heavy scenes. Um, it's just... I I read it again before we did this podcast, and it was like, I read it all in one sitting. and was just mm-hmm. like, that was just... That took the perfect amount of time to read. Yeah, no, like, it does. for what the story is. It's just really like you can't, pacing. you can't, you can't start reading it and then put it down and then pick it up yeah. again. Like it's, it's just you need to read it. It's, it's, it's very movie like. I would say it's yeah, like it's very cohesive and very. It's just a single thing you got to go through. But we should, so we should give a brief plot synopsis before we get a little further into spoiler territory. Yeah. Well, there's not much to say. We kind of already said all that you need to know. Like she's a girl who's struggling with something. At with something school, you don't know she what. Right. Is at the beginning, it opens with her performing like what seems to be a magic ritual yeah. with her like handbag. Yes. Yeah. And she keeps referring to it being like she has this weapon that's involved with this handbag, and eventually giants are going to attack. Yeah. And she's going to have to defend them, so yeah. she needs to be ready. So she yeah. needs to have this weapon ready right. um, to, to defeat these giants. But yeah, um, you, as the story goes, she makes a friend and struggles, yeah. struggles with the idea of friendship. Yeah. Struggles with the idea of family, um, encounters some bullies, and you figure out what is sort of the main thing troubling her and what her giant mm-hmm. is that she has to defeat yeah that's pretty much all there is without spoiling anything yeah um, mm-hmm. even that what i just said was already i was just like, gonna say you kind of spoiled it already yeah no <laughs> i wouldn't yeah. say that that's it's not it's not that's not the big it's better it's moment. better to gradually come to that yeah. no yeah um well i mean as you're reading it i don't think that that would spoil anything so like, well, well, let's, let's read it. Let's, so, let's, that, so you should. We all agree. We sh- you should read it. Yes, it's fantastic. It's I, I seriously like. Actually, the second time reading it, when I read it this week, I was like, so close to crying. <laughs> well, so it. I was. Like, so I was like teary eyed as yeah. I was going. So now, past that, that's what I was going to say. This is one of the like three books that made yeah. me almost cry, yeah. tear up. It's it's awesome. No, it's yeah. fantastic. The yeah. only thing I actually read is Underwater Wilder. So I haven't read that yet. I would say We Three and Pride of Baghdad. Both of which involve animals. Both of which involve animals. Close with We Three. Um, but yeah, let's... Okay, so... So should we pass we all the love it. Point? Yeah, yeah, we all so love we'll, it. So let's... Pick it up if you haven't read it. 
Um, if you have read it or you don't care, uh, we're going to get into spoiler territory. Okay, yes. spoiler time. So, uh, yeah, as things go on, uh, you kind of get this sense that probably one of her family members is going through something traumatic. Right. And for me, I'm like, so one of her parents is probably dying because you haven't seen uh-huh. her parents yet. Right. Um, it's like her sister who's taking care of her whole family. family yeah. And um, you can see that she's really stressed out and dealing with a lot. And then they make mention to the fact that her dad is just some son of a bitch who's yeah, not around. Yeah. And so you're like, okay. And then as it goes, like every time she goes to her house, there's this like blood curdling scream coming from upstairs. Yeah. It's just, like Barbara and really yeah. gnarly text. Did you get a kind of Joan and Vasquez, John of the House Almanac vibe from those scenes? Yeah, I did. The... Especially when it shows like what she views. Oh yeah, like the beds with. There was definitely a yeah you know, Joan and Vasquez esque type feeling. Intentional, maybe not. But yeah, I'd be. Oh, God, I'd be I, very I, interested to see what his inspirations are. Yeah, as far as. Artist, you know, artist. Probably a bunch of European stuff that's just too uh-huh. cool for us square yeah. Americans. Definitely yeah. manga, I mean. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but I, want, I would love to know who. Which ones? Like, which ones? Well, who's yeah. the artist? Like, like, I know any. I, when I picked this up, I was like, oh, it's like Fully Coolie and Peanuts. That was like my <laughs> yeah. first thought. Yeah. Was... I also, I loved, one of the things I love the most about it is her de- her design. Uh-huh. And that he's able to make her instantly an outcast like you look yeah. at her and it's like yeah, clearly yeah, yeah, yeah. she's an outcast yeah and like mm-hmm. that type of person that people would pick on yeah but she's not overly weird she's not overly like uh stereo- yeah it's hard to say she's not stereotypically an outcast yeah but she definitely is right yeah she doesn't yeah, she sure. feels very real but and, yeah and there's always i think like Especially if you were a kid who was, like, a little different growing up. I think there's at least one aspect of her that you can, like, relate to. Like, yeah. There are a couple things in this that I was just like, oh, yeah, it, like, hit me. Right. Because uh-huh. it, it like, reminded me of, like, you know, yeah, like she tough have, times when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, she doesn't have giant braces. Right. right. Or, yeah, like, she doesn't have, exactly. I don't know, you know, like, stuff like that that would instantly yeah. signify that. She just, mm. the, the, I don't think the design is excellent. No, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm glad you did bring up Fully Cooley, though, because I do see some of those vibes in your... I think Fully Cooley is one of my absolute favorite coming-of-age yeah, stories ever. Too. And it's, it's extremely subtle. Even though it's outwardly extremely ridiculous, yeah, there's a well. ton of subtlety and, like, not, yeah. like, ham-fisted deeper meaning, but there's a lot you can glean out of it. And one of the things I love about Fully Cooley is that every adult in it is... are the most immature ones in the story. Yeah. They're all absurd and, like, dumb. <laughs> and they're the most childlike in Fully Cooley. And, like... That sort of weird characterization kind of... There's a bit of I Kill Giants that I, I pick up yeah. on that, too. Like, the the principal guy with the, the weird... Yes, that like guy that hair, awesome. His haircut is absurd and silly. His and haircut like, is insane. Yeah. It's like, like yeah. a crazy pompadour. The pompadour. It's like a crazy, like, yeah, Japanese um, delinquent pompadour. Yeah. Um, But no, like, there, a lot of the other characters, the side characters that aren't her and her and her friend, like, they're a little more outrageous sometimes. The yeah. bully, I think the bully is another good. Um, uh-huh. I like her her design as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Is there something about that? Like, well, so you're able to to glean the insecurities of the bully uh-huh. Uh-huh. just by the way she looks, which is kind yeah. of mean to say, right? But no, it makes sense. But yeah, you don't, so you don't have to go into that to get why it, she's. It's a, bully. a stereotype, uh-huh. but like. She's not such an integral part of the story. Yeah. They're right. like, oh, stereotypical character. It's right. just like, yeah, yeah. It's basically a way to not kill that ruin some of that pacing. Like, there's not too much of a need. Like, she's designed really well, and the things she says she does, you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. And, and it's not too much. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, but there there is um to, I think the uh, the blending of fantasy and reality like it's it's very well done. Like there's there's you don't know what is exactly real. Yeah. And yeah, you not. really are, like, kind of, at least midway through, I was still questioning, I'm like, is this gonna end up being, right. like, a real thing? Right, well, you right. could, it has, like, or... almost a Scott Pilgrimish vibe to the, to, mm-hmm. towards the end where it's like, could this just be how the world is in this? Like, you know, uh-huh. like, could it just twist into this fantasy and, like, yeah. all the giants Like, is this hard, is this hard reality, or is this, symbolism. like, reality? Right. Yeah. Or is this our world, but with a little bit of... Thing? Right. Or is it yeah. symbolism? Yeah, you don't really know, and I like that, like... Yeah. It doesn't need to explain anything. Right. Yeah. Turns out it's um, symbolism. Women, too, that, I mean, I like it about it, too, is, like, wave. it does start off, it does start off as, like, more or less, like we were saying, it's like a coming-of-age story, and you're like, oh, it's a girl, she's different, she's got bullies, and it gets, like, heavier as it goes on, mm-hmm. and, like, one of the things that I think some people, or a lot of, a lot of coming-of-age stories suffer from is that they're less relatable when you get older because uh-huh. you're like, oh, they're just blowing these little stupid right. problems out of right. proportion. Right. But this one, like, the thing that she's dealing with is that her mother is dying of cancer. Yeah. Right? Like, this is a very big and very real problem. Yeah. And it ends up, like, transitioning from this, like, coming-of-age story to, like, a really interesting story mm-hmm. about her dealing with death. Well, that's right. what, I, and that's what, yeah. It was, I was actually reading in, like, the notes in here, too. It was, um, the writer, Joe Kelly, he wrote this, um, as he was at his father's physical therapy session who had diabetes and just had to have a leg removed and was moving towards death and did die, uh-huh. um, as, uh, before this book came out, but he just sat it down and he was like, you know, a couple hours during this physical therapy session. And he said he wrote it all in that two hours and it changed very, very little. It was like, after that, it was just little tweaks that he made based uh-huh. on the artwork, but it does, I think that really might have, that sort of like stream of consciousness and that connection to the ideas, I think probably helped that, that pacing and that completeness uh-huh. of the package. Cause it was just kind of like this idea he had mixed with something that he was going through and right. it just came out, um, and produced something that feels very personal to, to, uh-huh. to the author, but something that like everyone can relate right. to. Right. Of course. Um, I, yeah, you can you can latch on to any point. Yeah, or a lot of the points that she goes through, and still have it come for so full circle. Either being an outcast and being picked on, uh-huh. or dealing with death, or dealing with something you don't want to deal with. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just awesome. I don't know. Everything about it's really cool. Oh yeah, it, it and is. the fact that there is giants in it, <laughs> yeah. and so it still is able to throw that fantastical yeah. element just to keep it. So it's not just to have, so like, it's, so serious. Yeah, so it needs that so somber and like, but it, the whole the whole while through. Like it's not yeah, it's not hard reality. It's not super drama core. You know, it's, right? It has that fantastical element to it. Like even if it's just a little bit of whimsy, like it's right. slightly whimsical. Like when like mouse, like oh, we're making crazy Holocaust stories, but we're using uh-huh. cats and mice. So it's uh-huh. like it's still powerful and it's deep, but it's not like yeah, know, Schindler's List. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. there's that. I'm not, not a fan of Moss that much, but that's an issue that's neither here nor there. Right, but there's this. It, it keeps it slightly lighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to make it more palatable. I, yeah, like, I feel like Mouse is more like the uh, animal farm mentality, though, and that's it's not. Well, but I'm, we're, yeah. not we're not talking about Mouse. 
Maybe but so, some other day. So I did. I did like like when the giant is there, and there's that like yeah. even just cool like comic book it's, battle between her and that giant. Yeah, which is interesting too because you you start to view the, like the the giant is obviously like is death, and that's what she's been like preparing herself for, and she's uh-huh. gonna like defeat right. it and save her mother or something. And then there's kind of an interesting <laughs> moment where the giant's like, "I came for you," uh-huh. which. Yeah. You kind of initially interpret as like he's gonna kill her, and she even ends up going missing after the battle. Right. Or just say like, "Oh, a wave came and like washed her away." But, but yeah, I kind of feel like it's almost like I don't know. He came for you, as in like, here I am, deal with me, right? Exactly. Because she's just a voice. She won't even talk to her yeah, mother, yeah. you know. See, like she won't even go in yeah. and have a discussion with her. I kind of felt for um, a second though that it was more like her saying, "Maybe the easy way out for me." is to just kill myself and to go towards that. Because the, the wave is coming. She's just out there. She doesn't care. It's, it's right. just so I kind of felt like it was her giving up yeah. and saying like, fuck it. I'm just, I'm just going to go out in this wave and let uh-huh. it take me away. And that's why it says coming for you. Like rather than, yeah. rather than me coming for your mom and you living and dealing with dealing right, with your mom. Right. I'm just going to come for you and you just, well, there's kind of like, there's kind of like weird little moments too. Though, right after he says that, he says like the monster says like, I'm sorry. You yeah. know? And then, Towards the end, where is it where, like, after she finally talks to her mother, doesn't she see the monster, like, outside of her window or something? Uh, let's uh, find out. Let me uh, pull it up. Sorry, I should <laughs> have two copies better. of it here. Yeah. Oh, no, she does. Yeah, right here. Yeah. This, yeah. She yeah. see it. Um, it's a double-page spread, folks. It's a double-page spread. <laughs> Why can't I find it? Yeah, she sees it out there, and then she goes, we're all right. I'm all right. Thank you. Like. Yeah. So there's this sort of like, I don't know. It's just acceptance. It's, yeah, acceptance, yeah, acknowledgement, it's, and acceptance of it. Of your, and it your is own like it, monsters. It's, you're, it's, yeah, you're giant. It's not until she encounters the Titan and goes missing that she comes back and then is able to finally look at her mom. Yeah, you know. Right. Yeah, and then that's when the tears come. Uh huh. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we're stronger it's, than we think. Yes. I'm getting goosebumps again. I know, me too. And it's, I'm the uh, guy that was just talking about how I didn't like all the ham-fistedness of that Batman issue. Uh, so that should tell you how good this is. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not like I'm just yeah. immune to sappiness. Uh-huh. Or, 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 I mean, not that I'm immune to that type of uh-huh. emotional... Guilty, guilty children are just extra touching, too. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. But it's just... Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I Kill Giants is... Fantastic. Just everyone I should buy it. Everyone should read it. Yeah, yeah no, it's really. actually give it to your friends to. It's read. really, especially going back to it and looking at it again. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is. I would possibly, I would put this on. I would put this on like the top ten like collected Just, editions uh-huh. from like the last 10 years oh, or no, things, for sure. comics that have come out I put it even on a years. reading list like no, books yeah. included like just read this yeah. Yeah. yeah like no like we were talking about with uh, Mouse Guard like that was something we would recommend to people like this is this on a way higher level oh, yeah. like this is I would recommend this to some yeah Mouse Guard was like this is accessible and it's fun and it's fun your kids would probably really like it yeah, yeah, yeah. Really neat. this is like you, no you, you need to read this this is another one of those things that I would like I would totally um, hand out to people that I work with and uh-huh. like who, who don't read comics or have yeah. read almost no Schools, comics man. Like, like Pride of Baghdad and this I think Pride of Baghdad and, and if this you were, yeah. if you were able to incorporate these yeah. into like even reading curriculum and uh-huh. I, I think it's mm-hmm. it's everything about it is, yeah. is excellent and worthwhile and worth worth the experience you get. Uh-huh. Yeah, it. see, there's like a lot of comic books that I would say like are, are really good and I really love, but like in that, but like 
I would never say like it really says something about anything or like right. well, you're not good gonna be like, hey. to read. Like even like Wii Three, like I don't think that says super much. No, way. it's I, just really good. It's just really good. Yeah. yeah, but like Pride of Baghdad and I Kill Giants, like yeah, those are two that I would be like, no, you need to read this because it it says a lot of things. It's enriching. Yeah. yeah, it is. It, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you don't want to go what... to a high school kid class and be like, hey, kids, identity crisis, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Infinite crisis. <laughs> read see, but this. see, but then again, that's that's what I think we want, and that's what we need. And I think that's something we all look for. Like us three, yeah. is we want superhero comics that are able to do something that I Kill Giants does. Isn't that like? Don't you wish you there could be to, something? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. To, no yeah. I want there to be more of that, but I still want. I don't my, want that to be all. I still of it. want my superheroes. No, exactly. Problem, I agree, yeah, but I, I wish there was more. I think I wish there was more that did that. Like, yeah, yeah. You I can would. do things with the superhero genre that are important and cool I, and like mean something. Yeah, I would totally yeah, agree. Yeah, you can do it. I think. Yeah, you're right. But I think like that's why I like X Men so much because they did it without having to do it. Just by existing, they did it. Uh huh. When they're at their best. Huh? When they're at their best, right. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, just the idea behind them is already oh. that. Yeah. Man, those Chuck Austin years are so, <laughs> so beautiful. Anyway, I think that's... I think that does it for Ike We've We've mentioned Chuck Austin, so I uh-huh. think it's We're time done. to move mm-hmm. on. So don't um, buy I Kill Giants, right? As we said? No, yes, right. buy it. No, do buy it. 10 no, copies. Buy 10 yeah, copies. I'm just kidding. Yeah. That brings us to the end of our discussion of I Kill Giants. Join us next month. We will discuss Rocketeer, Cargo of Doom, which just came out in hardcover. Uh, by Mark Wade, Chris Somney, and Jordi Belair. Pick that up. We can discuss it next month, and you can uh, join in on the uh, orgy of insightfulness. So that's the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening. Please check our website, www.optic-media.com. Let us know what your favorite or least favorite books were last month. Uh, we would love to do a listener mail segment at the end of the show, so shoot us an email at opticblast.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you like the show and would like to help us out, uh, rate us and leave us some kind words on our iTunes page. Thanks again for listening. I'm Brian West. Where's the Scott? I mean, Miguel Silva. (laughs) And Pedro Silva. And we will see you next month. Thank you. How does the semen work? Oh, Jesus. Jesus.